0: Hello and welcome back to the Peter Mackay Motorsport Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Today, we're going to talk about uh, last weekend's fantastic MotoGP race at Phillip Island, one of my favourite circuits in the world. And I think, along with Assen in Holland, the finest circuit in the world to race motorcycles on. And Phillip Island very, very rarely disappoints in terms of great racing and last weekend's race uh, was absolutely no different. Um, we're on a little bit of a market Mark Mar- Mar- Marquez domination streak at the moment. He's already sealed up the the riders world title this year he's finished first or second in every single race bar one where he crashed out of a big lead uh in the circuit of america's race back in austin texas back in would have been april time that would have been so he's been a a very much a permanent fixture on the podium and often on the top step of that podium so far in this moto gp season and on uh, on sunday he made it to the top step of the podium again but didn't have it quite as all all his own way like he did in mategi uh, about 10 days uh, ago um so mark marquez out on top uh, in second place was cal crutchlow uh, about eleven seconds uh, off the lead. In um, third, though, completing the podium was Jack Miller, the Australian, um, valiantly fighting, uh, fighting off his teammate um, Peko Bagnaia to to get onto the podium. So it was just incredible to see him uh, see him get on there on his on his home race. Before we get into the nitty-gritty detail of what we saw on Sunday, I just want to talk about Phillip Island itself. Um, for those that haven't seen it, uh, or maybe most people know of Phillip Island because of the very famous Penguin Parade. It's very famous for its penguins, uh, Phillip Island, just south uh, off the coast of, of Melbourne. And holding the race at this time of the year in, uh, in Australia... Uh, The weather conditions can often be quite difficult, very, very windy, we saw qualifying in fact delayed until Sunday morning because of high winds on Saturday, there's been rain as well, cold temperature, Um, not what you would expect perhaps from from Australia but the circuit layout itself at Phillip Island, this year was the 30th year uh, that the the motorcycle Grand Prix paddock have been coming to the, the circuit and the layout is just perfect for racing motorbikes. The front straight, downhill front straight, and the guys are coming in to turn one, a very, very fast right-hander at over 200 miles per hour. It's one of the most spectacular corners you'll ever see uh, in global motorsport. Um, The layout of the track is a wonderful flowing, it's a very, very fast track, not too many slow corners, very, very fast and flowing. And often what you see at Phillip Island is large groups uh, of of riders, and you often see a lot of riders who maybe don't necessarily have the outright lap pace, but can stay in the pack and can fight in the pack and keep themselves in contention. And it's very, very difficult um, for any particular rider to make a break uh, out into into the lead. Um, Only really Have we seen um, Casey Stoner um, in his dominance, um, both at Ducati and at Honda, which he would seem to be the only guy who could get out in front and lead at at Phillip Island. Um, So it's always been a real leveller, the weather can often play into it as well at Phillip Island, but you will, if if you don't like watching motorcycles at Phillip Island, you do not like watching motorcycles. It's as simple as that. Um, both Phillip Island and Aston and Holland, to me, are just heaven on earth for motorcycle racing and always Deliver great racing, and uh, Sunday's race was 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 no no different. Not quite the classic of twenty fifteen, where we saw Iannone headbutting seagulls, and Mark Marquez and Rossi and Lorenzo all battling with each other. Um, but still a very good race. Um, nonetheless. So let's talk about the front of the field first. Um, in the end, it was Marquez versus Vinales. Um, so Mark Marquez. Crown champion already on his Honda RC two one three V and Maverick Vignale's winner of only one race this year at Assen, funnily enough, uh, on the Yamaha YZR M one, desperately trying to um you know to 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 get some race wins before the end of the season. Maverick Vinales started the race on pole and looked like he had the superior pace, getting his usual well his characteristic slow start, but made his way back up the field quite quickly. Uh, and basically, Mark Marquez and Maverick Vinales got out in front and settled in to a little bit of a a little bit of a battle. Unfortunately, we're seeing a little bit of a pattern in MotoGP at the moment. And not necessarily, I don't think the problem is is that Mark Marquez is winning all the time. That's that's fine. It's I think it's more the nature of which he is he is winning. We have seen some last lap. Um, some last lap switches of position, which is very exciting. But leading up to that, Mark Marquez has applied a very uh, consistent tactic where often he will sit behind the leading rider and let them do all the work. So he's done that with Fabio Quartararo on a couple of occasions. And on Sunday was probably the most uh, obvious example of it, where he basically sat behind Maverick Vinales for most of the race um, Coming down the end of, uh, around when they came round on each lap, Maverick Vinales would lead on to the straight, and Mark Marquez was reported reportedly lifting off very very early into the first turn, so he wouldn't pass Maverick Vinales. And you think why wouldn't he pass Maverick Vinales? You know if he's got the pace, go past. But throughout the rest of the lap, they were much more equal. But. Mark Marquez was playing a very very clever game by sitting behind Maverick Vinales, keeping the 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 life in his tires and letting Maverick Vinales do all the work. And it's been a very classic Mark Marquez tactic. But this year in particular, um, he he is he has deployed this tactic a lot more. Now for him, it's very clever and has been very clearly has been very very effective. However. I mean, it's his. It's not his job to create entertaining racing for the good of it. He he has a job to do for Honda and for himself to go out and win races and win championships. That's fine, but unfortunately for the spectacle, for for us watching on TV and in the stands, is that this makes for quite quite boring racing compared to what we've been used to in MotoGP. Whereas. If you've got two riders and you think, is he going to make a move this lap? No, no. And you're basically just watching him follow, follow, follow. And then on the second to last lap, or even waits all the way to the last lap, he'll then make a move and go past. Now, it it, it is a bit it's a bit of a shame to to to, to see that. But as I say, you can't criticise Mark Marquez for doing that. But I think it's really up to the other teams. And there are more riders to be there um, to, to create more of a problem for him because clearly he has the superior pace to be able to do that and to be able to have the comfort that he knows he can make a move at when he requires to. Uh, and there's almost a degree of inevitability uh, about the race results uh, at, at, the, at the moment. Um, on the last lap, though, Maverick Vinales, he battled all the way to the last lap, leading the race for most of the race. Um, but Marquez went past him on the straight, coming into the last lap, um, and Vinales really tried his hardest to hold on to Mar- Marquez, and he did so. But coming into the last section of the lap, there's a corner called Luki Heights, where the riders are going. It's an uphill left hander and a completely blind entry into a downhill braking zone with a very, very right, very, very tight right hand hairpin, and it is notorious for. Uh, crashes, particularly near the end of the race, because a lot of the time the rider's been on the left-hand side of the tire, so it's nice and warm, and the right-hand side of the has maybe lost just a little bit of temperature. And when the riders have to go up that left-hand that left-hand corner uphill, the bikes going light, and just when they look over the look over, it's almost like they're going off the edge of the world, and you if you almost literally are. Uh, so so far south is Phillip Island, but you're coming over the Overlooky Heights, and then they've got to get the bike turned over. On the brakes without without losing the front, and unfortunately, Maverick Vinales, in his efforts to make one last move, uh, making a move up the inside um, at the at the hairpin, unfortunately lost the bike quite early on and had a violent, I mean, really really violent high side crash where he flew over the handlebars, and I was absolutely astounded to see Maverick Vinales get up. Um, relatively unhurt from that accident, it could have been so much worse, and I think it's testament to the work that you know, uh, Mark Mark um, Vinales. He wears an R I helmet. He wears Alpine Stars leathers, and his Alpine Stars uh, Tech Air uh, airbag leathers clearly did their job and saved what could have been a number of broken bones and before that airbag technology came in um he would have definitely broken some bones there because that is a a huge accident coming downhill at high speed just um really really quite scary but thankfully it was okay but unfortunately there was one very trashed um yzrm1 a, probably a complete loss motorbike but also a loss of uh what would have been a a great second position and no points sadly and of course, that following a well, following a good uh, fifteen seconds behind was Jack Miller, who managed to clinch that last place on on the podium, um, sort of profiting off, of of Vinales' misfortune. So very, very unlucky um, for Ma- Ma- Maverick Vinales, but just glad to see that he was okay after that really quite scary uh, crash what was really cool to see was to see Carl Crutchlow fighting back up at the front of MotoGP. He has had a very, very tough season this year um, and not what we've been used to seeing with Carl over the years. He has made v- plenty of public, um, plenty of public, um, what would what, what be the right word, <laughs> snubs, if you like, or um, criticism of his Honda motorcycle and stating that he can't get the bike to stop, he can't get the bike to turn, uh, and that is really hampering his progress, and he's had a lot of crashes this year. Um, obviously, trying to get the most out of that that motorcycle, and it's only really been uh, Mark Marquez who's been able to get some consistent results out of that motorbike. Now, Cal, this year he finished second at Phillip Island, a wonderful, uh, a wonderful um, uh, result. Um, finishing fifth in Mategi and uh, last weekend, and second in this race in Phillip Island, really making some good steps. And the timing of his performance could be crucial because. We're looking at a very, very interesting situation that's been developing at Repsol Honda. So, at Repsol Honda—they've got two two riders in their garage. One is on the form of their life and is the greatest rider we've seen in the last decade, Mark Marquez. Um, you know, winning—he's won every every championship he's entered in MotoGP, bar one—and has completely walked away with the title this year. On the other side of the garage, they've got another multiple world champion, a three-time MotoGP world champion, Jorge Lorenzo, who left Ducati at the end of last year to join the Repsol Honda team. Now, when when I note when when that announcement was made that that Lorenzo would be going to the Honda team, I did think it was slightly strange because the the Lorenzo's style of riding and basic and I can only comment in basic terms is that Lorenzo's style of writing is so smooth, it's so gentle, it's very, very... Um, very, very measured and all about corner speed, and it was developed through nearly a decade of riding on the YZR M One Yamaha, which really benefits and and reacts well to that style. Now, if you watch any of the Honda riders over the last decade, both Mark Marquez and Danny Pedrosa, it requires quite a physical um kind of aggressive style. You've got to pick the bike up and squeeze it out the corner. You know, it's a you know hard on the brakes and get it turned quickly and get it up and on the power. Not carrying that swooping line now so I thought well that that's going to be difficult but we saw Jorge Lorenzo able to change his style and eventually adapt to the Ducati and 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 win some win some races so I thought well maybe um, maybe he'll be able to adapt to it unfortunately he had a terrible pre-season with injury really bad injuries bad injuries throughout the year he's missed some races because of that and it seems like his confidence is completely gone um completely gone i actually wrote an article about this on my website a couple of weeks ago and stating that you know he's down but not out and we've seen this before from jorge lorenzo and he he needs time and he needs support he needs an arm around the shoulder he's a fragile character when he everything works together he's unbeatable he's as you know on his day when everything is together he can match and beat mark marquez and he has done so on more occasions than is necessary to prove that However, it doesn't look like he has that environment at Honda. It looks like he's, you know, well, publicly he's been publicly criticised by his team boss Alberto Puig, and he has the world's uh, MotoGP media all out for, um, for out, all out to get him. And there have been plenty of stories bandied around that he may not um, be on the Honda next year for the second year of his contract. Now, it's. I, you'll notice, if you go back and read uh, my article on my website about Lorenzo, you'll see that I, I, the tone of the article is very much in defence for Jorge Lorenzo and that the MotoGP paddock has quite a short memory, and that is true. I mean, you're only as good as your, your last result in the eyes of the team managers who are, who are choosing who they want to ride their bikes. But each race that goes by, it's becoming more and more difficult for Jorge Lorenzo. I mean... He, if he's a little off the pace, you can almost give it. You can almost consider that it's. You know, you can give him the benefit of the doubt. But um, he was one of. The, he was the last finisher uh, at uh, at Phillip Island, and he was one minute and six seconds off um, Mark Marquez uh, in the lead. He was twenty seconds behind Carl Abraham and Hafiz Um He was. Ooh, he was. 40 seconds behind Johan Zarco who was riding for the very first time on the LCR Honda. So these are these are hard numbers which are impossible to ignore and it Philip Island probably this probably been Lorenzo's worst race of his career. Now as each race goes past, you would expect these results to be getting better as he recovers from his injuries and he feels fitter and stronger. Well, it appears like that this is getting worse. And Honda are in a difficult position. You know, do they? Can they? You know, can they carry on this way? Do they? They do they gamble? Do they say, well, we'll give, we'll stick with? You know, is it stick or is it twist? Do they stick with Lorenzo? If they stick with Lorenzo, they're banking on. They're banking on Jorge Lorenzo having a really good winter, having a safe winter, plenty of winter testing and developing a motorbike that not only Mark Marquez can ride, but Jorge Lorenzo and the other Honda riders can enjoy uh, as well. Now, I I just don't know if Honda are prepared to do that because Mark Marquez has clearly got a machine that no matter how unfriendly it is to other riders, it seems to work perfectly for him. It's almost a little bit of the same scenario of when Casey Stoner was with Ducati. He could get the uh, he could extract um, the the pace out of this motorbike, but it was very unfriendly to the other uh, the other guys in the Ducati team. So I just don't think the Honda will want to make that investment. Not necessarily in money. They've already made the investment in money. They're already committed to that, but. Do they make that investment in time and in effort to to get Lorenzo ready, to get to get the bike suited to him? Now, that might require a complete change of ethos. So is that the right thing to do? I don't know. Um, I, I wrote in my article a few weeks ago that they should stick with him. I mean, what what else are the other guys on the Hondas doing? Well, it's, uh, it's amazing how things change so quickly in MotoGP and we'll just have to see what happens and then... The last few races, we've got Supang, and we've uh, you know a circuit that Jorge Lorenzo enjoys, and uh, also Valencia, another uh, circuit where he's where he's raced very well in the past too. But um, Honda do have options. You know, everyone keeps going on about Johann Zarco. You know, Johann Zarco, who hasn't he's not won a MotoGP race. Um, he's had some podiums. He's done very well with the Tech Three team when he was with Yamaha for a couple of years. But he's not won a race. Um, if you look, someone in their camp who has won a race is Carl Crutchlow. Now, Carl Crutchlow has definitely served, um, he's definitely earned his stripes in Honda. He's spent a lot of time helping to develop the bike. He does a lot of the testing. He's been with Honda for a number of seasons now. Um, and he is he going to um, is he going to trouble Mark Marquez? No, no, he isn't. No, definitely not. Um um, maybe Cal Crutchlow doesn't want to go into the Repsol factory team for that reason. Maybe he's quite comfortable as the big stag in the small meadow with the LCR team. I don't know. But if I were Honda, I would say that your solution, should you wish to 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 not continue with Lorenzo, which you can understand, um, I would say that Cal Crutchlow would be your would be your option there. But. Let's see, I don't think Zarco is the answer. I don't think that Johan Zarco merits um, a placement in the factory Repsol team. I, r- I really, really don't. Um, I think uh, I just don't think his confidence will be there. I just don't think his attitude is there at this moment in, in time. I, I, I really, really don't. So let's see what happens. I think there's lots to play out with Lorenzo at Honda and how they approach that um, in, in future. So, speaking of Johan Zarco, what did we see from him? Well, for his first time out on the Honda bike, only 26 seconds off the uh, off the overall pace, um, 13th position, scoring points, not too bad. You know, everyone seems to think that that's such a brilliant result, but, uh, yeah, it's not bad. It's pretty good for a first time out on the bike, very, very little time on the bike, and, you know, we're just riding around, just getting used to the bike, and I think we'll see more in Sepang and Valencia, uh, if that you know, if that can develop, but I really, I don't think he's the the savior for Honda like many people are making him out to be. To be quite honest with you, um, and I think there are better options for Honda in a works team. Um, to ha- to have him on a have him on a satellite bike, sure, but but not not in the works team yet. I I don't I personally don't don't think so. But as I say, it's far too early to to say how. Um, you know how how good or not uh, his performances have uh, have been. Interestingly, Mark Marquez was asked in the press conference right after the race in Phillip Island. It was quite a strange question. Funnily enough, it was a French journalist that asked it, and said, "You know, what do you think of Johann Zarco's first, you know, attempts in the Honda?" And Mark Marquez very diplomatically said, "You know, it's been windy. It's been wet. It's been you know very little." Um, very little bike time but it's too early to say to be honest i don't think he would know or care where Zarko came in the race or what time he was from the leader i really don't think he, he really cared and he actually did say so at the end of his um at the end of his answering the question he says to be honest i don't care and i think that's pretty much his attitude to whoever i don't think he will worry about whoever will be his teammate next year because he's is, he's is the showing the signs of a guy who has maximum confidence in his ability and 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 why would he why would he think otherwise? <laughs> Interestingly, following that question, Jack Miller uh, quipped after Mark Marquez had given a very uh, you know very diplomatic answer. Uh, Jack Miller took the microphone and said, uh, "Well, it was a lot better than Jorge's weekend because Jack Miller and Jorge Lorenzo really do not like each other." And Jack Miller. Very much scorned from Jorge Lorenzo's attempts to to steal Jack Miller's ride for for the future with Ducati, which thankfully Jack Miller managed to keep. But um, he really does not like uh, Jorge Lorenzo, so that little dig there was uh, <laughs> was was well timed from 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 Jack uh, from Jack Miller. I want to talk about also about the rookies, um, wonderful performances, um, which actually went slightly unnoticed, um. From um Peko Bagnaia uh, on the Pramak Ducati. Now, Peko is a Moto 2 world champion, came into this season in MotoGP GP as a rookie as the Moto 2 world champion. Um, but he's he's had some you know some solid performances, but he's had a lot of crashes as well, um, trying to get used to that Moto GP bike. But his performance in Phillip Island was first class, and you gotta remember he was only 500th ths of a second from um, Jack Miller on the podium and he very, very nearly beat Jack Miller to the line um, the long drag down the hill to the line at Phillip Island Um, so nearly grabbing his first MotoGP podium but should be very, very proud of fourth position and almost went strangely went slightly unnoticed right behind him was Joanne Meir on the Suzuki, now Suzuki um, a bike that should really suit the Phillip Island circuit, it turns very well, it's perfect for Phillip Island Island. And he beat his he beat his uh, t- teammate Alex Rins quite con- quite convincingly. You know, Alex Rins has won two races this year, so for Mir to come in uh, and, and 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 beat him is, is very impressive. Probably the ride of the day, though, has to go to Andrea Iannone, the maniac. Now, Andrea Iannone is probably the most, um, he's probably the wildest and most complex character in the MotoGP paddock. Often you'll see, uh, you know, he'll be seen um, surrounded by models and uh, also doing a bit of modelling himself, missing pre-season winter tests, so he's getting plastic surgery on his nose, you know. Really wild stuff, <laughs> crazy stuff like that, which must make him an absolute nightmare um to look after if you're a team manager. But apparently, in uh, within Ducati and Suzuki, that was very much the the case. So this season, he's found himself in probably the least favoured bike on the MotoGP grid, the Aprilia, um, a relatively undeveloped, underfunded uh, team um, with that has been plagued by reliability issues uh, this year. Um, and has spent the majority of his time this season uh, at the at the back of the pack. Um, but this is what Philip Island does. Philip Island is a leveler. It really, you know, if if you can get in the group at Philip Island, even if your bike doesn't have that necessary outright pace, if you're a fighter, you can stay up there. And Andrea Iannone is a fighter. And this is the thing: is that if Andrea Iannone, if he doesn't get off. In the leading pack, if he's stuck at the back, he will just ride round. He will not stick his neck out. But if he is in that leading pack and there's a chance for to make positions, you will not see someone try harder than him. He is such a hard racer. And we saw him dusting about in the pack, you know, dive-bombing Marquez, Rossi, uh, Crutchlow, you know, all these guys led the race on a couple of occasions and he just needs that battle to wake him up and when you, when he's, so, you know, when he's in that battle he's as good as anybody, he really, really is and he's just not not got that complete package to, you know, he needs to almost find himself in that battle before he goes, oh right, yeah, motorbike racing, okay, yeah this is what I do and then he's, he's first class but um quite a character is Andrea Iannone and this is you know this is the thing in in motorsport characters like him are so rare nowadays and i just think it adds so much to the color of the sport and the interest of the sport so it was wonderful to see um not only Andrea uh, up up the, up near the front finishing in 6th place but also the Aprilia as well you don't want to see a factory that is making you know, even a small MotoGP GP project is multi-million euro investment. So it's nice to see them get get up the front for 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 a little while um, as as well. So last mention goes to to our old pal Valentino Rossi. Um, you know, racing in his four hundredth Grand Prix race uh, in gp quite an extraordinary achievement uh, and in the next week or two I'm going to release an episode uh, about uh, about his five best um GP races I've had some wonderful wonderful last few evenings watching some of his old races from one from welcome in South Africa in 2004 and a few others which we'll, I can't wait to talk about but 400 Grand Prix 40 years old he's been in the Grand Prix paddock since 1996 absolutely extraordinary um you know he's having a tough time of it this season you know really having a problem with rear tire grip with outright horsepower and the motorcycle it's not been valentino rossi's year whatsoever um but we saw on the opening lap at phillip island we saw opening laps plural i should say the opening laps we saw the old valentino rossi coming into turn one absolutely toughed out right round the outside and to go round the outside at turn one at phillip island i'm sorry you're not washed up you know there's lots of people saying oh he's washed up oh he should have stopped by now blah 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 i think that's complete nonsense um you know it's it's if if you can stay out the, on the outside of someone around term one at phillip island at the end with a swarming pack behind you um you've got you've got my vote you know, it stayed up the front for, for quite a number of laps until you could almost see that just it was like a light switch going, the, the rear tyre just went and, and, he, and he fell back and it's been very much a pattern of, um, of the year. So Yamaha have got a lot of work to do to get that. If they want to keep Valentino Rossi, if they want to get results out of him for his final year of his contract next year, they need to get that bike sorted and they need to ensure that they can get that rear tyre to last to the end of the race. So they've got a very, very important winter uh, coming up um, because they, they've had too many seasons now where they've been giving free kicks to Marc Marquez and, uh, and Honda. So that was Phillip Island. Um, we've only got two races left to go now. Um, so we're nearly finished in the MotoGP season. Um, we've got Sepang coming up next in Malaysia. Wonderful circuit. Could be wet. You know, you, one thing for sure is you can guarantee rain uh, at some point in the day in Malaysia. Um, let's see if we get it for the MotoGP race. Um, that's coming up on Sunday. And then a couple of, in a couple of weeks' time, we'll have the season finale at uh, Valencia. So let's see what we'll see there. Thanks for listening to this episode. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to listen to it. Um, if you want to follow or subscribe to the show, you can via your whatever your preferred podcast platform is. Um, if you follow the show, you'll get a little uh, notification that'll pop up whenever a new episode uh, is published. Um, I'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with me in the show uh, via their Facebook page, which is the Peter Mackay Motorsport Podcast. You can get in touch via Twitter, which is at Mackay Podcast, uh, Instagram, at Peter Mackay Motorsport, and also via my website, which is www.petermackaymotorsport.com. Thanks very much for listening, and I look forward to speaking to you again very soon.